Candy Girl Podcast. Fuck me, Daddy. <laughs> hey, Candy Sluts and Bubble Buds. Welcome back to another episode of Candy Girl Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Emily. And I'm Shelby. And today we are here with 50 Plus a Tip. Danica and Riley, would you introduce yourselves for us? Yeah, I'm Danica or Danica Darling. Do you want more? <laughs> I'm Riley. <laughs> I was waiting for you to continue. Do your little bio. Yeah, um, I'm Danica Darling. I don't have the cool Kiwi accent. I am a sex worker, predominantly a stripper and escort and um, dom fetish stuff on the side as well. Yeah, that's pretty much the general gist of it. I'm Riley. I don't have the degrees that Danica has, <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm predominantly a stripper and escort. I dabble in fetish as well and only fans and uh, selling my underwear. How did the two of you meet each other? I don't think Riley will ever let me live it down and I truly forgot. <laughs> yes, we got asked this once in an interview and I was like, how did you get into my life? How did you get here? But correct me if I'm wrong, Riley, we came across each other in a self-defense class for sex workers. Yeah, that's right. Yay. There you go. <laughs> oh my God. It's like the honeymoon game or like the newlywed game when like they have to... Oh yeah. We can introduce God. shoes. Yes. Some, yeah. The like, shoe game. Tall heels or something. Exactly. I actually think our anniversary is in December, I believe. Right? I honestly have no clue. <laughs> I think I think I think it would be like December fifth or something like that. First week of December. So who really loves who more? There. <laughs> Case closed. Wow. Well, we recorded this interview once and I was listening back to it recently and I was like, we need to do this again. So I wanted... It was that bad. <laughs> well, here was the thing is we didn't introduce you guys like independently. We were like, it's Danica and Riley. And then you didn't know who was who for the whole interview. And so if our audience who isn't familiar with you guys listens, they're going to be like, okay. <laughs> so I thought it would be better to just re-record the episode, especially because it's been so long. Uh, since we've at, like recorded, I feel like there's probably been some updates with you guys and your podcast, which I also am excited to talk about. But I think, you know, to start things off, what what was it that got you guys into sex work? The money. <laughs> I uh, I started many moons ago. I think I'm on my, I think, ninth year, which is insanity. But it's almost been a decade. But I'm forever 21, as we like to say, unless they're into old people. <laughs> um, and I was serving out in Fort Mac at the time at a strip bar out there and making really good money. But I got on with the dancers very well. And I became really close to the dancer. And I'd grown up competitively dancing. We always joke that our parents unknowingly set us up for a life of being a whore by putting us into dance. <laughs> And yeah, I was, I was comfortable with my body and comfortable with dancing and getting closer with dancers. They were like, why don't you make even better money and start dancing with us? And I was like, let's do it. So I just started stripping out there. And then when I moved back to BC, I kept on stripping and never, never left. Riley, what about you? Yes, I too had a background of competitive dance. Um, My theory tracks. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like there's so many of us. 
I honestly, I think it's the stage confidence that it gives you to like be in front of people. And then all you have to do is like get naked while doing it, you know? But well, I started while I was just a poor, lonesome student um, <laughs> and a girlfriend suggested that I do it, it, stripping. I didn't really call it stripping. It was like topless hostessing and poker dealing and stuff like that. But you would do lap dance but with your like um, you didn't take your underwear off which I guess is like kind of normal for um America but it's like not very normal here like you all it's like full nude here always from what I know correct me if I'm wrong um Danica you'd know more about Canada than I do but yeah like always nude so that was sort of like a step back from fully stripping and then through that I met some girlfriends who worked at a club and I sort of made that leap to full-time sex work I guess this is my fourth year of full-time sex work all right so y'all have practiced all kinds of sex work how would you compare and contrast what did you enjoy the most the least give me something anything (laughs) (laughs) definitely I think the most for me is fetish stuff and I like doming because I have a very dominant personality as is so um, using that and my hatred for men is just a beautiful beautiful combination and uh, fetish because I think it's a you can get into like a really beautiful place with the individuals or clients where you've created this kind of safe space of trust where they get to explore these things where maybe you've had a lot of shame before with them and you get to be that kind of safe space for them. And I find that is extremely rewarding. Plus like I'm pretty freaky. I'm into some shit. So it's fun to like get to explore that and get paid for it. Like that's a win-win. Least favorite, definitely online stuff. I, you know, I did only fancy for it was enjoyable, but For me, I like that kind of separation of I'm Danica at the club or at the gig or with my client. And then I come home and it's fully like the the real me. And I get to compartmentalize that. And I found with online stuff, as someone who's a big hustler, I found it very hard for me to put those boundaries in place where I would not touch my phone. I wouldn't look at the messages. I wouldn't reply to people. I wouldn't feel guilty not being online if I was in front of my computer. So for me personally, that was probably my least favorite. But... And that's not to say it's bad. I have a lot of girlfriends in the online industry who absolutely adore it and do very well. But for me, not my favorite. Yeah, I would say that my favorite is stripping. I love performing. I love the dance aspect of it. I love the flexibility in the schedule and yet the regularity of people getting like dancers or going to the strip club. I really do enjoy fetish work as well. Um, I echo a lot of what Danica says. I'm pretty particular on the sort of fetish that I enjoy doing. I used to really love sub work and slowly as I've gotten more into the industry, it's made me feel really uncomfortable and I've definitely like geared towards a more dominant role, but I'm also not like really hardcore dom. So I like that balance between not a submissive role, but also, you know, I'm never going to wear like a full leather outfit and like dominate a man in like an aggressive way that's just not really who I am so I find that really emotionally taxing but I love fetish work in the sense that sort of so like light humiliation I have a client who loves to be stepped on I absolutely adore him and sort of just likes that wants to sort of be ignored and sort of for me to forget that I'm I'm he's there um and I love that I love forgetting men (laughs) 
Um, so yeah, I would say those were my two favorite. My least favorite is camming. I did it very briefly while I was in, while we were in lockdown. And I found that being live on the camera in my own room was really draining. OnlyFans, I find a little bit better, although it's not my favorite. I'm just trying to like diversify a little bit more. But yeah, it's, I really commend those who do online sex work full time. Um, but yeah, I would say that that's my least favorite. I mean, work is work. Sex work is no different. Real quick, just for our non-sex work listeners, we've never talked to somebody who has done sub work. Could you just quickly clarify what that is or what that means? Being a submissive. So you, instead of being the one who like restrains, gags, orders around, etc., you are the one um, being gagged, being restrained, being spanked, depending on what that fetish looks like. But yeah. I've moved moved away from that. <laughs> if you feel comfortable, would you mind sharing what it was that made you lose interest? Yeah, I think it was when you are already doing sex work, you you are in power, but also it's not perceived that you're in power. So men, once they have started exchanging uh, money for your time, it kind of gets to the point that they feel like they've bought every part of you and you know some people push that boundary and I find that when you're in a sub role it is like it's possible that it happens even more and then you're also not in a a power position literally to sort of take back those boundaries so it was just sort of that navigating my boundaries making sure I always felt safe there's no dungeon that um sort of is available in um bc where i live um so i couldn't do like it wasn't really possible to do it in a safe work environment it was very much like independent clients and i just for my own safety and for my own knowledge like i just wanted to sort of not put myself in that position yeah we talk a lot on the podcast about setting boundaries as a sex worker because i do think you know once money gets involved and especially when men get involved those yeah (laughs) Danica rolled her eyes I feel like we're on the same wavelength there those boundaries start to get murkier so um in-person sex work I think as you just described has a lot of obvious dangers but I think there are some dangers in online sex work that get overlooked a lot like you know a lot of online sex workers are always at risk of being doxxed kind of um, still face harassment, things like that. So I I was curious because you guys have done both in-person and online sex work and you're big into safety. Are there parallels that you see between the two or is it a whole separate set of rules? Um, I think a big rule I have for all areas of sex work and honestly just a general rule in life itself with regards to work, it's really a good idea if possible. And, you know, Riley and I, constantly kind of have a a disclaimer when we speak on things that we come from a very privileged place and we are privileged sex workers. I think that's first and foremost important to acknowledge. But that being said, if you are in a place where you can have a nest egg, like a financial, like a money nest egg to put aside, ideally before starting sex work, that allows you more freedom or at least feel like you have more freedom to say no to things that are with outside of your boundaries. I think sometimes when people do things, they 
look back and wish they hadn't or didn't really want to or didn't feel comfortable with, it's because they felt like they needed to make that money. So I think that's a good place to operate in where you can say no to something that's outside of your comfort zone and know you're still going to eat tomorrow. So I think every avenue of sex work, that's a, a good place to start. Doxing, definitely, if people don't know what that is, um, it's kind of being called out or getting outed without your consent. That I think can happen in all areas of sex work as well, but especially if you're in print form. I know with cam sites, especially, they have bots that record all the cam shows and then distribute them. So that's a big thing. I know one of my girlfriends is really, really big on Chatterbait, and she had a client or a guy that was in one of her chat rooms at one point send her a message with her home address, which made her like, what the hell? I personally could not handle that. So that's why I don't do online stuff because I'm just not well-versed enough in how to properly protect myself like that IP address and all that. And if anyone's watched that documentary, Don't Fuck With Cats, like internet sleuths, find out everything. And that freaks me out that like, I might have like, I don't know, the shadow of a building on my wall. And you're like, I know that shape of that building at this time of night. Like, I don't know, it's just crazy. So uh, that's something that really freaks me out about online stuff is like, if people really want to find things, they can. Um, other than that, yeah, it's just kind of keeping, being able to keep your boundaries in check and then educating yourself on how best to protect your kind of online identity and your, your own location and everything like that. Yeah. I mean, I really just started doing OnlyFans again very recently. So I'm navigating all that at the moment. But I mean, when it comes to doxing at the end of the day, um, it's very possible that I could be outed. I have tattoos, everything like that. And I just kind of had to make my peace with the the fact that if I'm going to do this, it is very possible that people are going to be able to find it, which is, you know, like as Danica said, we work in a place of privilege where if I get outed, it's probably not the end of the world, you know? Um, and also I can choose sort of to stop at any point point like it's not this is just sort of like a side hustle that I'm doing at the moment but yeah I honestly have no like advice or anything to give about you know stopping that sort of thing when did y'all realize that learning how to keep yourself safe was going to be an essential part of being a sex worker were y'all expecting that when y'all started was there a moment where y'all were like oh shit I was literally gonna say as soon as I was female presenting in this world, <laughs> I realized safety was an issue. As, From the like, moment up, I was as born we joke about that, it's so true. Um, and that really goes for anyone uh, female presenting. I find that the world's just out to get you. Uh, <laughs> but, but really, and then, and then you add the extra layer of being in a marginalized group that unfortunately a lot of society doesn't look out look at as equals to them. And as soon as you start looking at people as less than you, um, you start to really encourage people to treat them like shit. <laughs> so that's like just an added layer on being a female presenting person in the world or operating as a female in the world and then being a, a slut. <laughs> so yeah, I think like we joke as soon as we were born, but like, I think, I know, I mean, Riley and I aren't really exactly dumb people. So I think our safety has always been kind of like something we've, we've, you know, cared about. <laughs> yeah, I think that, I mean, in terms of on offline sex work and person sex work, I think that you have to employ the same amount of safety as you would having any type of casual sex or engaging in any kind of online dating. You kind of have to have your wits about you as a female always. Once you move into 
in-person sex work. You just have to be that extra bit careful that now there's money involved, there's less clothes involved, which means, you know, male testosterone is up, things like that. So, but I, I don't think that there's anything groundbreaking that is a change between uh, a woman in the in the dating or online world in general than in-person sex work. I would argue that we actually do more vetting as sex workers than, than I ever did personally for like casual sex. And in terms of online, I think that you can do what you can, but at the end of the day, like you, it's, it's kind of the same. I mean, if you're going to be sending nudes via Snapchat or anything like that, there is a chance that they're going to be leaked regardless. It's just kind of a risk that you have to sign up for. Um, and I think that there has been sort of a change in that mentality in terms of, you know, I mean, at least when I was in like that sort of age of like sending nudes to like boyfriends of texting and, and Snapchat and stuff like that. Um, that was really scary to think, okay, well, this could be outed. Like that's going to be really embarrassing for me if that happens. And now I'm sort of in a position where, well, first of all, they're paid for. And second of all, like I'm not embarrassed by it. Like, yeah, okay. It got leaked. That sucks. You know, at least it has my tagline at the bottom, like join my OnlyFans, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that's absolutely valid. I feel like that is something that I've been concerned about. I feel, but I also feel like that was pushed so hard that narrative of if you send nudes, they're gonna get released. So I feel like, yeah, ever since I had a cell phone, I've been like, you know, what if I ever did something inappropriate and it got leaked? So yeah, I, I feel like you guys are right as far as being femme presenting people and constantly having to worry about your surroundings and about the way that people feel comfortable treating you. And then, yeah, when it, you're a sex worker, it's it's almost doubled because now you're doing something that the patriarchy doesn't want you to do, which is like owning your own sexuality and taking advantage of it instead of someone else taking advantage of it. And I'm, I am curious because you guys said that you met at a sex work self-defense class. And I would love to hear a little bit more about that. I didn't know those kinds of classes existed. Yeah, I mean, in general, I think like it's not like there's much on the outside being like, we should help sex workers be safer. So I find a lot of uh, sex worker oriented stuff is definitely led by sex workers. So it was actually a fellow sex worker friend of mine who was like, hey, why don't I get a group of girls together and find some um, trainers that would be interested in having us uh, once a week and you know taking some of their way and teaching us some self-defense class. So it was really just us seeing that there was a need for it in the community and then offering it to fellow sex workers locally. Oh, is it something that y'all are still doing or had to stop with the pandemic and whatnot? Yeah, the gym we were actually using, it closed down. So we were kind of on a hiatus. There's actually a individual that we have on our podcast coming up in this new season and... I don't know if I should mention or maybe you can cut this part out if I'm not supposed to, but don't fuck with me on Instagram. Uh, she does uh, self-defense classes for sex workers. So that's definitely a local one that I don't know if they're also on kind of a break right now because of COVID, but hopefully it's still going on. I'd have to do a little more research to be honest myself, but she's an awesome sex worker as well. So y'all should check her out anyway. Another thing, another thing I will mention is 
you know, as Danica said, it's not like the community really recognizes um, the needs of within the community. Like it's kind of a little bit of a joke that every organization for sex workers don't actually have any sex workers included in it. It would be like, why would you trust a a woman's like group with no woman? <laughs> um, but, you know, we do other things as well. Like we have a, a blacklist group. Um, so you'd post uh, clients or, or men or numbers or stuff with a sort of a short explanation of what happened. And so everyone can sort of be in a lookout of those people because I, was it back pages or there was sort of another one that was shut down when Sesta Foster came out. And so it's like you kind of have to adapt and create your own um, your own platforms for that and have each other's backs. Well, I'm really glad that y'all's the community in the new season ways to support themselves and y'all like to tell us a little bit about 50 plus a tip yeah so 50 plus a tip started because i originally had another podcast with a non-sex worker and it was very like sex and relationship focused and just realized no, I want to talk more about sex work and kind of the outliers in sex communities and sexual fetishes and people that think they're weird or unwelcomed. And I want to create a safe space where originally it was very sex worker focused, where I only had sex worker guests on because I wanted them to have a safe space to tell their stories and have a real view of what sex workers, um, what their experiences are, what they want to share, um, Mostly so squares would have a better understanding of what sex work really is about and the sex workers would feel welcomed and safe to share their stories. And then as it grew and more, you know, squares, non-sex workers started listening and reaching out. They're like, hey, I'm married for X amount of years and I want to explore this kink, but my husband doesn't want to. What do you think I should do? Or, you know, I want to start being polyamorous. What do you think about that? Or I'm transgender, but I've been married for 40 years and I'm... um, you know, I don't know how to come up to my wife. Um, so I started opening it up to kind of um, all other whores and sex positive people that wanted to explore and discuss and kind of walk through it together. And it's been really awesome to connect with kind of people I never would have connected through without the podcast, people that are all through the States and that and in Europe, which is wild to me that it's grown so much. But yeah, pretty much just a safe space to shoot the shit about sex and sex work. I was just going to say, I was just sort of lucky enough to... Oh, yeah. And Riley's on it with me now. <laughs> She's weaseled her ass in. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I, I've just sort of been lucky enough to uh, come along for the ride and, and watch it grow with Danica. Yeah, I, I want to know what it's like for you guys to interview other sex workers. For Emily and I, we we like to go into it totally blind because our audience is more squares as you said I like that as a term for non-sex workers squares so we come from the perspective of teach us everything that you can so what what is it like for you guys I think the cool thing about sex work is that it is so incredibly unique to the sex worker so even if I'm talking to a fellow stripper I do think I should still somewhat go in blind in that interview because I have no clue what their experience in the industry has been like we might have very vastly different um, opinions or experiences happenings so I definitely try to still have that open mind of like what can you teach me and like you know what can I learn from you but I do think we do get the privilege of when you're in a marginalized community you feel safer talking to other people in your community so I think 
we do get to have very candid, honest, real conversations with fellow sex workers because they, they're nothing they're going to say to us that we're like, oh my God, what the fuck? Like, it's such like a safe space to talk amongst us that at least I hope it is for the guests we have on. But yeah, it's been, it's been an absolute pleasure to meet the people that we've met through it. Yeah, I think sex work is one of those revenues that, I mean, sex work is, itself is such an umbrella term. And of course, you know, opening up wider than that of like all things sexuality as well, is that even if you you know, are a stripper one place and a stripper another place, your experience can be totally different, especially when, as Danica said, you are in a marginalized community. And so we've had, you know, full service sex workers who are also mothers on the on the podcast. And, and we sort of come from an angle of curiosity of, wow, this is always something that, you know, we wondered, what, what are you going to tell your kids? Like, and it's so nice to have that sort of locker room chat or, you know, about how to navigate that from a curiosity space and sort of like a teach each other, but also a shoot the shit kind of um, mentality. What are some of your favorite or most interesting things that you've learned from doing the podcast? Most interesting things. Um, I think everything is interesting because it's coming out of our mouth <laughs> and it's our podcast, but um well, first, I found it really interesting that it reaches who it reaches. Like that's always every time I look at like the monthly kind of roll call of where where the podcast is getting listened to. Like it's in India and China and like Europe, and it's just crazy and all through the states. So that's always interesting to me to like get to hear from people who I would never have met in my life, and then they explain how sex work operates in their communities. That's really cool to get that kind of that view of something that I wouldn't otherwise have. I also find it interesting. At the end of my podcast, I always ask if you have the world's attention for 30 seconds, what would you say? And for the longest time, the guests would constantly, for especially the sex worker guests, they'd constantly say, you know, we're, hu- we're humans, we're people. And I found that interesting and, and also kind of sad that that was kind of such a base idea that they still needed to explain to people like, hey, we're just normal people who deserve respect and love and all this. So that's a big takeaway I've had over the seasons, so that that constantly comes up. Yeah, it's difficult to narrow down what has been the most interesting thing to learn about because we really try and source guests for the podcast that we in revenues or people in general who we are curious about. So we sort of, you know, try and find people in avenues or we see them on social media or other people mention them and we have guests on that we want to know about. So it's difficult to sort of boil that down when everyone has sort of been hand selected because we want to know about them or because we find their revenue or story or persona interesting. Yeah, that's really cool. I I like your point, Danica, about, you know, asking that question at the end of your episodes and, and sex workers, kind of just reiterating where people we deserve literal basic human respect and and feeling like that's something that they have to keep saying because people just won't listen to sex workers and I think that is yeah I think that's really powerful and it's really cool the work that you guys are doing and we're really excited you know to get to have you on the show I really am kind of interested to hear if there's any stories you guys have from your experience in sex work that are like a little kooky or or fun and we can end the show on like a 
cute little fun note. <laughs> oh, lordy. The amount of naked mean butts we oh, have seen. Oh, my God. <laughs> Humiliating. Um, I, you know what's funny is people ask this all the time, right? It's probably like the most common question, not to tear apart your um, interview skills, but uh, <laughs> get more original. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but people always ask, you know, what's the weirdest thing you've seen? And Riley and I always say to each other, it's so crazy how nothing's weird anymore. We, and like how mundane the insanity becomes to us. And then there's certain times where we look at each other and we're in this wild situation. We're like, what is life? Like, this is like the fact that we're even, how do we get here? Like so wild. But uh, I had a client who was really into urine, like anything golden, like golden drinks, golden showers, um, love, love, you know, for people that don't know what golden drinks are, like drinking pee, uh, golden showers, having piss on him. Um, but for me, like, unfortunately, I have stage fright and I cannot urinate on people. So I had to import the gold, as I like to say. And I had another sex worker come and like provide her urine for me. But, you know, good for her, really up on her vitamins and up on her, you know, uh, like dietary pills or whatever, because her urine was very, very strong. And I I have like a hound's nose, right? Like I can smell who's been near a room. It's insane. So I was like in the bathroom, like watching them do their thing. And I just couldn't handle the smell. And I went and threw up everywhere. (laughs) And it was so embarrassing because I was supposed to be this like Dom fetish, like got it together person. I was like, like, I can't handle the smell. So that was, that took me down a couple of pegs when I was like, oh, Lordy. <laughs> but that was one of the ones that I always look back at fondly and giggle to myself. And then I was going to say another, but I have a feeling that Riley might share a recent one that we experienced. So I'll let you take it from here. <laughs> <laughs> I have a client that I see occasionally. He just likes to hang out to party with. He comes to Vancouver for work. Um, so he gets a little bit lonely. And I bought Danica along once and he was sort of on the tail end of a bender. And I guess his uh, wife had hidden his drugs from him. And so to just set the scene, me and Danica fully dressed, you know, we're just there to hang out. And this guy just gets butt ass naked. And then he turns to us, he's like, there's drugs here. My wife is hidden them. Can we find them? And we were like, great, let's do it. <laughs> and so this man is running around his house, butt ass naked, rummaging through bags, like fully bent over, like looking. All of us are just like, okay, like, let's look for it. He's like looking in bags. He's rummaging through shit. He's like jumping up on furniture to like. <laughs> A lot of squatting. Me, me A lot of squatting. Just, like, again. <laughs> fully clothed like just to sit the scene of like this man did not have to be butt ass naked to do this and we're just standing there, like, there was no need no need for his balls <laughs> in the squatting the bag, there was like, no need okay <laughs> angles i did not want to see so much squatting <laughs> like and the amount of men who definitely not like my clients my clients like know better but <laughs> the amount of men that will go into like a dance and like start taking off their shirt and you're like what the fuck are you doing like you're not getting paid here i'm getting paid i'm the one dancing like you're getting so naked man butt from want to every angle get ass naked and 
it's always the ones you don't really want to see naked. I find that <laughs> you're like, oh, <laughs> the confidence. Yeah, <laughs> Good always, on you. Always when you go for a lap dance, they're like, can I get naked too? It's like, no. Like, I don't know. I don't want to. No. Maybe triple. No. Get out of here with you. Like, women, yeah, but. Yes, absolutely feel free. Men, no. Like, I've I've never gotten... I personally have never gotten a good dick pic that I legitimately enjoyed viewing. Maybe the context or something. I don't know. I truly don't understand dick pics. I don't, well, I can't remember last time I got one, but I, I remember listening to a podcast somewhere or a comedy show or something. And she was like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? Print it out and shove it up my ass. <laughs> and it's so true. Like, what the fuck are you going to do with a dick pic? <laughs> I do not understand. I just love that, like, every time a woman sends a nude, it's, like, artistic. There's the lighting. There's the pose. Things are looking great. And then a guy sends, it's like a fucking naked mole rat. Always. Like put some work, put some effort into it, you know. And the girl like <laughs> rents a hotel room, gets her friend to come, sets up a tripod, like has music in the background for effect. And then the guy is he's like holding like a little cigar, like I can't. Yeah, <laughs> like a low quality image taken, you Grainy. know, very quick. Yeah, it's it's like a little blurry because he had live on, so when he moved it, it just kind of messed up. Yeah, uh, love men. Do we though? Incredibly. Do we? <laughs> um, well, Danica and Riley, it was so nice to have you on. And um, thanks for, you know, reaching out and being able to re-record with us. I'm really excited about this episode. And I was thinking before we did social media plugs and, you know, where people can listen to your podcast, we could go through a couple of the self-defense tips that we talked about on the last episode. Ruby Hills make excellent weapons. If you're walking alone at night, um, have them easy to grab. If you want to have your like hand in your bag and like have them, you know, have a hold of them regardless, they're pointy, they're heavy, you can swing them real nice. In saying that though, if you are going to carry any sort of self-defense weapon, please read up on what you are or are not allowed to carry. I know that there's a lot of like concealed weapons and stuff like that. Um, I heard that in some places, keychains, if they're a keychain, it's okay. But yeah, please just like be safe and mindful about what you can and cannot carry. Shoes, always. Like we said before, you know, the the reason I made the blacklist group was to keep each other safe. So if you have that in your own area, if you don't already, you know, make one, if you're comfortable heading that and, you know, inviting people that you trust into it to keep people accountable. And if, you know, you go to a gig and someone's terrible or they cross a boundary sharing it with other women and, or men in the industry, um, so they know to keep their eye on that person or to not meet up with those individuals is huge. It's coming in handy for a lot of women, I think, in locally in our community that use a blacklist. Letting people know where you go, that's just a general rule. Even if you're going on a date on Tinder or Bumble or whatever the kids do nowadays, um, letting a friend know where you're going and when, how long you should be there and then having a check-in time. And you know what? Even like maybe I'm like extra paranoid, but when I used to have to do that, I would also be like, I'm going to say this word at this time. So you know that I'm good. Cause you know, if you say, Oh, I'll, I'll message you or message me at six or check in. And then anyone can just have your phone. Be like, I'm good. Right. So have like a little code word that you use or code word. If you need help is um, taking like that extra step because I'm paranoid. Um, 
yeah, carrying pepper spray or, or keychains with loud sounds, whistles, etc. You know, I always carry stuff on me, but yeah, keeping making sure that the stuff you carry is legal is something Riley is adamant about. <laughs> I don't always, but anyways, I'd rather be safe. <laughs> I'll deal with it if I if I need to. I'm my dad was like very adamant about me being smart with safety when I was younger. So I always keep my back to walls and I know where exits are and all that. So that's always a good idea as well. You know, not, not parking in underground parking areas at night, things like that. Um, just basic existing in the world and being safe. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of our main things. I never wear heels when I'm going to work. I always wear runners. I find I feel safer and ready for battle when I'm wearing my runners. So that's just the thing that I do. Yeah, I think you covered most things. Like if you can always take a friend. If you can't, like I always share my location. That way, you know, if I move, people move too. I know that you can use tiles and put them, I've heard of girls put them in their like bras, that like little, um, you know, between the padding and stuff. Obviously, this is only good if you can still carry it uh, on you, but just like making sure that someone, anyone knows where you are, what time you're expected to be done. If you have any information on where you're going, like hotel room, everything like that. And then just do as much vetting as you can beforehand, you know. Um, at the end of the day, again, we work from an area of privilege. So we can always sort of like turn down work if it means our safety. But just do as much as you can with the area of work that you're in. Um, and then also just a general one, stick to your boundaries. Have a really clear idea about what you are comfortable or are not comfortable doing and or for what price you are comfortable doing those. And then just sticking to it. I know that especially when you're new, it can be really enticing for someone to offer you money, more money than you thought someone would actually offer you. And so to have those boundaries for yourself clear before you go into it doesn't it means that you, you know, it's a higher chance that you're not going to walk out of that situation feeling like your boundaries had been crossed or that wasn't something that you wanted to do and you sort of felt coerced either by the guy or or sort of by the, the money by the moment. I think like a little add on too about like boundaries and I know I've talked to girls, especially newer girls in the industry who kind of shifted their boundary because they felt pressure or money and they feel really down themselves and like that comes into the avenue of like the mental health aspect. And I know we're talking about a lot about like physical safety, but it is also really important, especially in this industry to take care of your mental health because this job, even more so I would say than physical labor, it is definitely emotional mental labor. So getting a therapist or a counselor that is sex worker friendly, who you can kind of debrief with, it is, it's a lovely thing to have girlfriends in the industry who you can debrief after a shift with. I know um, Riley and me really do help each other out with that. Whether it's a great shift and you want to you know, rejoice and have someone to celebrate with, or it's a shit shift and you just need someone to like hear you out. But a fellow sex worker can only do so much. And I think getting professional help while you're in this industry is is huge as well. So taking care of not only your physical safety, but your mental health and your mental safety as well is, is really something to note. Work sober please. It is really easy to get caught up in partying, doing drugs, getting drunk in every shift. I understand wanting to indulge in a drink or two. I get it. And I'm never going to say that something happened because you weren't sober. Like that's, 
I'm not coming from that standpoint. I don't, you know, things shouldn't happen regardless of how drunk you are or what you wear. But when you are in a situation where there is money involved and you are sort of there to, I don't know whether you're doing full service, you're selling sex, if you're just doing lap dances or anything like that, you're just there to be sexual. It's just a different environment than, you know, when you're out in public or at a club or anything like that. And so just, you know, keep your wits about you. You got to look after yourself, especially when there's like money and work involved. And like, I really do stand by the point of if you can't do this job sober, maybe you should rethink this job. Definitely. And like, as someone who never does drugs, um, I still like tell the girls, you know, even if you do drugs, I don't give a fuck, do whatever the fuck you want, but make your money at work and go buy drugs and do them with people you actually like. Like, why are you sitting at a table at work, you know, doing drugs until you don't even like, and then you're also, you know, it's, it adds to the, the danger of being there. So if you're really a little drug fiend or love drinking, look at it as like the the better I do this job sober, the more drunk, drug-fueled fun nights I can have outside of work. <laughs> if that's like, you know, where you need to put your mindset at. All right. And you can hear more tips on 50 plus a tip. Where can our listeners find y'all in your show? Yeah, it's 50 plus a tip. So five zero plus a tip on Instagram and www.50plusatip.com is the website. And then we are pretty much on all podcast streaming places you would find a podcast. So Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, all that good stuff. Oh, and we have a Twitter and we have a TikTok <laughs> and we have a TikTok. We do. I'm not very good at Twitter. And hopefully we will be having a Patreon soon. Yes. So if you want to come support, come leave the tip part of 50 plus a tip. Um, uh, hopefully that'll be up and running by the time this airs. And we will be linking all of that in the episode description if you want to find them there or if you're on our social media at Candy Girl Network on Instagram at Candy Girl Net on Twitter. You can find them there too. We'll be posting about it. So their tags will all be there. Danica and Riley, thank you so much for joining us. This was a great interview and I'm glad that we got to talk to you guys a second time. And as our dear friend Cactus Cutie would say, stay sweet. Candy Girl Podcast. Fuck me, Daddy. <laughs>